Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. We had a couple of days off last week uh, for Thanksgiving. I hope it was a good one for you. We took a little bit of a break, but I'm ready to get back after it. This is 10 o'clock. My name is Tim Harris. It's time for Tim with Tim. Uh, we do this Monday through Friday. We take about 10 minutes. We pick a book of the Bible. We go verse by verse. Eventually, we're going to get through the whole Bible. We're getting pretty close, actually, you all. We're going to make a lot of progress this year. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're going to begin the book of 1 Timothy today. Having just finished the book of Job, turning now back to the New Testament for the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, I love it. It's practical. It's good. Uh, and, uh, and let's jump right in. 1 Timothy chapter 1, today just the first 11 verses, just to get an introduction. I think most of you know, if you don't, let, let me give you a little bit of a, a, a review of Paul's relationship with Timothy. Timothy was a young man who lived with his grandmother uh, Lois and his mother Eunice, or did I get that backwards, which is which? Uh, his grandmother, uh, I think his grandmother's Lois, his mother's Eunice. But anyway, Lois and Eunice, he lives with his grandmother and his mother there's never any mention at all of Timothy's father, which is just always kind of an interesting uh, question. Uh, does Timothy have a father? If Timothy has a father, then the father has absolutely zero spiritual impact in his life. That, that becomes apparent. Uh, but it seems more likely that Timothy is being raised by a single mom and a grandmother, uh, which is just, I don't know, uh, uh, it's just kind of cool. And, and apparently these are very, very godly women, very capable women who raise an amazing young man. So uh, Paul would have met them on his first uh, missionary journey, which was uh, through Lystra in about uh, A.D. 46, 48, somewhere in there, somewhere in the uh, mid-late 40s. And so Timothy meets them, uh, apparently uh, is very well impressed with young Timothy. And so in the second missionary journey, Timothy joins Paul. That must have been really exciting. I mean, you know, to you know, I mean, Paul even in his day must have been very exciting, impressive for the churches to meet him, to know him. Uh, but then to have your son, you know, sort of join him, how, how proud they were, and everything in Scripture suggests that that Timothy joins the missionary journeys of Paul uh, there in that second journey uh, with the warm support of his church uh, and his family, his mother and his grandmother. So after that. Paul and Timothy work very closely together. They become like a father and a son. And, and it really is one of the most beautiful relationships in all of Scripture. In the book of Philippians, Paul talks about, you know, there's nobody in the world like Timothy to me. He's like a son. You know, I'm like his father. Um, even in today, in, in, the, in the greetings, I'm, I'm writing to you, Timothy, my son in the faith. You know, my son. Uh, so this is a very warm, very beautiful relationship. And obviously, Paul has a lot of confidence in young Timothy. At the same time, Timothy is young or younger, and uh, and sometimes uh, seems to be a little on the timid side. Paul frequently has to encourage Timothy to, "Hey, man up! Don't be afraid. You know, don't let people run over you. You know, don't let them look down on you because you're young. You know, that sort of thing." But by the time we get to First Timothy, to this letter. Uh, this is probably written in about uh, probably the early 60s uh, AD, the, you know, the first century. So it's literally like 63 AD, something like that. Um, so Paul at this juncture has a lot of confidence in Timothy to leave him in Ephesus, which, which is what he does. He sort of assigns Timothy to be there in Ephesus and clean up that mess there. Paul, remember from the book of Acts, Paul had spent three years in Ephesus, but that's been about eight years ago. So some time has passed now, and Ephesus has some 
problems, have some conflict uh, around some false teachers. And so Timothy's job is to stay back in Ephesus and to oppose the false teaching and to put in place some reliable, faithful, good, solid leaders. And so much of 1 Timothy is going to be about that, about, about how to recognize a good leader, what makes a good leader, and, uh, and, and how to put them in their place. So here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 uh, is, is, is this first letter. Paul begins, like I said, with, with the typical greeting to my son Timothy, may God the Father uh, and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. And then he, he, he just sort of jumps right in from there. Um, when I left for Macedonia, I urge you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. So we know right from, you know, from you know, verse 3, uh, Timothy's there because there's a conflict in the church. Uh, I mean, when is there not, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't mean to sound that way, but I've spent my whole life in church, and, I, and, and there's just almost always some silly fight going on in, in churches. To, to be really honest, in 27 years of pastoring, I am blessed to be at Woodburn. Because our church really doesn't do a lot of conflict, and, and I'm, I'm blessed with that. Just a, an amazing church family. Most pastors that I know would give a kidney out of their body to serve at, at Woodburn. Uh, however, I've, I've been around churches enough to, to know and recognize um, how often other churches, you know, go after it. You know, I know of a church that nearly split because they stopped putting Folgers coffee in the coffee pots and started using that strong Starbucks stuff, you know, um, Starbucks coffee, you know, I, I don't, I don't drink coffee at all. Uh, but anyway, I mean, Folgers or Starbucks, you know, like you, you know, the church nearly blew up you know, over, over coffee. Churches that, that are getting big arguments over the length of the worship pastor's beard, you know, I mean, and on and on it goes. I mean, oh my goodness. Uh, I don't know why it is. We should know better, but church people can be so petty and so silly and get themselves so worked up over something that won't matter at all. It won't matter next week, not, not to mention, you know, in eternity, but oh my goodness, how childish and frustrating it can be. And, and I'll just say as a leader, it is one of the most heartbreaking parts of, of being a pastor sometimes, just having to deal with, uh, with, with people who just seem to have nothing better to do than lay awake at night and think of something to argue about, you know? Now, much of that is silly, like I say, and it's childish, and it's just the devil's way of gaining a foothold to stop us from doing the work of the church. But... but Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus, and let's make this perfectly clear. There are some things worth fighting for. There may be some things worth splitting the church over, some things worth losing some people over. And, and again, I say that very hesitantly. You know, I feel like my, my job as a pastor is to keep everybody, but not necessarily. And Timothy's not there necessarily to keep everybody. Timothy is there to stop the false teaching, which, of course, is being promulgated by false teachers. And so, Timothy is going to have to wade, you know, neck deep into the conflict of this church. It's a conflict over teaching, a conflict over the gospel. And I just remind you, the gospel's worth fighting for. The church, our church, every church, is essentially a gospel community. We are people united by the proclamation and hearing and living out of a revealed message. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, uh, crucified and, and resurrected, you know, Christ, the Savior of the world, the Lord of all, Christ. The gospel uh, 
is Jesus. You don't need a whole lot more than Jesus, but you can't have any less than Jesus. You know, it's got to be Jesus Christ crucified and raised. It's the gospel. If we lose the message, then understand we lose ourselves. We, we lose what it means to be a true church. We, we can't be the church if we lose the gospel. So that's why, if you notice, most churches fighting aren't fighting about the gospel. You know, we're fighting about the color of the carpet, or again, you know, Starbucks coffee in the coffee pot, or whatever else. You, you know, not enough handicapped parking places, or whatever it is that you know, just people get mad and leave. You know, that you know, they see something they don't like and they're out of here. And again, that's childish. We should have nothing to you know. We don't want anything to do with that. You and I don't, but. But the gospel, that's worth fighting for. And this is what Paul is saying. When I left for Macedonia, I urge you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. You know, I mean, obviously these guys are really serious about what they're doing, but Paul says that it's not the gospel. Uh, these things are only meaningless speculations that don't help people live a life of faith in God. Paul gets a lot of things just really straight on target here. You know, the object, our, our aim is to help people live a life of faith in God. That's it. We're not trying to entertain you. We're not trying to, you know, put you on a bus and drive you around to see fall foliage. I mean, we can do some of those things, but that's not our purpose. You know, we're not here to be a social club for you. And, and we're not here to provide friends for you and all of your children. I mean, you know, that's not what the church is. We're here to help people live a life of faith in God. That's verse four. And then Paul goes on. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. So notice two things here for Paul. Um, uh, the, the, the gospel itself is characterized by content. Uh, it, it's content. It, you can't just teach anything you want and call it the gospel. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected. It's, it's Jesus. If you don't believe the right you know, message, the truth about Jesus, then you can't be in a right relationship with Jesus. And if you're not in a right relationship with Jesus, you're not going to live like Jesus. You don't live like Jesus. You know, you're not going to spend eternity with Jesus. It's the gospel. And there's content that matters. You can't just teach anything you want. You know, and, and now, the next thing, the, the, the gospel is about character. And, and Paul's, and obviously, these teachers are in an error. Paul's calling them back to love. I want all believers to be filled with love. Understand that. You got to live a life of faith in God. It's based on the truth. There's content, but there's character as well. You know, in other words, you can't be, you know, you know, right-headed and wrong-hearted. It, it can't be the truth of Jesus flowing out of your mouth if it's not the love of Jesus flowing out of your heart. You see, so Paul here in these opening verses just makes it perfectly clear that the gospel, that, that the church itself is essentially you know, a, a gospel community distinguished both by the content of our message, but, but also uh, the, the, the character of Christ. We're going to be people who love like Jesus. Now, obviously, Paul goes on here to talk about the law. The particular flavor of false teaching is from a, a Judaizing, a, a, a Jewish legalizing 
orientation, and, and we'll go deeper and deeper into that. But this is the beginning here. Uh, gosh, like I say, it can be the truth of Jesus you know, in our mouths if it's not the love of Jesus in our hearts. The gospel is about content, and it's about character. And so right from the start, Paul is helping Timothy recognize false teachers. It's not only what they say, but, but, but how they live, what's in their heart, how they treat people, you know, uh, truth and love, right? want people to live a life of faith in God. I love all of this. We'll pick up right here tomorrow, verses 12 to 20. So we're in 1 Timothy chapter 1 for tomorrow, verses 12 through 20. It's Monday. It's my day off. Uh, so anyway, y'all know where I'll be. I'll be at Myers later. Uh, I cook every meal at our house. I, I do the grocery shopping and I keep the grocery list. So my wife is awesome, uh, but, but this is just part of what I do. So that's why I go to Myers every Monday. But at any rate, I will see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim and Tim. I love you guys so much. It's good to be back, right? I'll see you tomorrow.